Hello and welcome back to the Peaked Too Early podcast. For the first time in a long time, both of your hosts are in a good mood following this weekend's fixtures. Uh, my name is Oscar Sewell and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host Blake Munchell. Blake, it's been a while since I've done the intro. How how did it go? Did I do a good job? Very smooth. Nice. Um, I enjoyed it very much. Another thing I enjoyed, actually, mm. jumping straight into it, yeah. are uh, my predictions from last week. I know, I'm seeing this on the there are There are two to come in yet, um, because mm. obviously West Brom, Southampton, and Brighton Everton have not played yet. But as it stands right now, uh, Blake Munchell, four, Oscar Saywell, three. Wow. To give me a plus one for the week and diminishing your lead to plus six. You're just slowly... like, mm-hmm. just like Newcastle's lead on Fulham at the bottom of the table. Yeah. You're slowly, uh, slowly chipping away at me now. Um, it sounds like, mm, to me, it sounds like there's a some lag. It's probably Wi-Fi issues. So, listeners, if we interrupt each other throughout, it's not that we're super rude. It's just that we don't know when each other is speaking. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, we can jump straight into things. Um, Blake, where do you want to start? Uh, it's been a great, yeah, let's great weekend. Um, let's go starting with the, the first match of the match day, uh, that had huge implications, uh, Fulham Wolves, uh, which I watched the full thing Mm -hmm. and absolutely did not enjoy it one minute. Um, it was a incredibly boring match to watch as a neutral um although i'm not really neutral because i definitely have a horse in this race um Mm -hmm. and that horse is shaped like a wolf um but uh uh, the first shot on target i believe didn't come until like the 30th minute mark um and uh just i was i was actually working out doing this um and normally when I work out and watch soccer at the same time, it's a, I have a lot of fun cause it's like keeping me going. Like I know I have to finish my workout in the 90 minutes. Uh, and I was just like slogging through it cause there's nothing going on in the match. Um, but then, uh, after halftime, uh, William Jose scores and VR overruled it and a hundred percent should not have. I, have looked at the frames that people are posting online and I can't understand how those lines aren't like exactly on top of each other. Um, if you want to talk about VAR and offsides rules, we can. Um, oh God. But yeah, it's, it's a, a rabbit hole that you just keep digging yourself into. Um, then uh, for the final 25 minutes of this match, Fulham really turned it up um, and they were dominating uh, Josh Maja, Alex uh, Mitrovic, uh, killing it up top, the double big man up top, um, just like bossing the Wolves defenders. But then totally against the run of play of the entire second half, uh, Adama Traore is sent through. It's really the first time he was able to get into this match. Um, Narrows the angle for himself, weirdly. um, And then just absolutely rockets the ball 
Um, uh, I don't remember who was in goal for Fulham. I'm assuming it was Ariola. Um, yeah, it was Ariola. Like, couldn't even react. Um, it was so quick. Great. Um, but this is another match that, you know, like Fulham really deserved to win, um, but then it turns into dropped points. And if there's a saving grace for Newcastle, it's going to be that Fulham, for some reason, can't pull it out ever. Um, so, yeah, great win for Wolves, uh, who were slipping a little bit. Great win for Newcastle. Awful result for Fulham. Um, yeah. And huge, huge implications in the relegation picture. So, any yeah. thoughts? I think, uh, no, you summed it up really nicely. I think my brother is super convinced, and he has been for a long time, that Fulham just like, won't make it. And his prediction is sort of, with every passing week, it's it's seeming more and more sensible. Because I think, while Fulham do play some nice football and are a good team, uh, I think I and a lot of other people possibly have got a bit carried away with, I guess, like the uptick in results. And I'm forgetting that Fulham were really, really struggling just to get points on the board earlier in the season. So um, I don't know. I didn't realize that. Um, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. But you know, Wilson uh, is is back now for you guys too, and it sort of feels like Newcastle might pull in a different direction. But uh, yeah, it's not over yet. Uh, every week it could all be different in a few weeks' time. Some stats about Callum Wilson. That'll blow your mind. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. Uh, this match, uh, they spent a long time focusing the camera on uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. Uh, and it got me thinking, is Nuno safe this offseason? I know the board, uh, like at least it's being reported, the board uh, will, quote, look for favor or look forgivingly at the injury record. Mm. Um, is Nuno 100% safe? Yeah, I think so. Um, it'd be silly to get rid of Nuno. I mean, Wolves have had a poor season, but I think the way... I mean, I don't want to just like... It's very vague, but genuinely, Wolves, are, like they have to be excellently run to have like risen through the ranks the way that they've done. And I think they haven't had success based off of snap judgment decisions they 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 seem like a they seem like a the a club that plans meticulously and um i just don't see them getting rid of a coach who's done such a good job for them when they've had a bunch of injuries and they have a, such a thin squad they they'll give him at least another year um but you know i mean cycles managerial cycles come to an end um and you know maybe his is sort of like slowly getting there but no, they'll stick with him. He's he's safe. Okay. You want to move on to Manchester City Leeds? Yeah, um, sure thing. I watched uh, some of this, not all of this, but um, I can sort of get going. I'll ask you a few questions along the way because I think there's some interesting moments in this game. But I think it started off... Um, well, I mean, let's contextualize this. Uh, pre-match, Bielsa and Pep were lavishing praise on each other. They sort of mutually admire each other. Obviously, we all know that Pep Guardiola's pretty obsessed with Marcelo Bielsa. Um, and um, we, we knew this was going to be a super tactical game. Um, and and we were all hoping it, was an ex it would be an exciting one. And it definitely turned out uh, that way, in my opinion. It started off really um, openly, I think. It was very end-to-end. -end. Um, 
a little bit more chaotic, I think, than uh, Pep Guardiola teams usually are used to, um, which was interesting. And uh, it definitely, yeah, it definitely started in Leeds' favor. Um, Stuart Dallas, I think it was, he um, he sweeps in uh, past City defenders who were pretty poor, I thought, in trying to keep him, keep sort of block his run out um, to get in. So box scores one nil. Um, wow, that was yeah, incoherent. Um, what I'm trying to say is that uh, Stuart Dallas put them up one nil, and then um, soon afterwards, uh, it was Steve Cooper, wasn't it? Um, basically, put this horror, a horrible challenge. Liam. Um, uh, yeah, no, not Steve Cooper. He's the um, Swansea manager, maybe or something. Liam Cooper, thank you. Um, horror challenge on Gabriel Jesus. Um, right at the end of the half, um, I funnily enough had like I'd left and this occurred, and then I came back to see um, Gabriel Jesus, uh, well, rolling on the ground on the floor, and then um, uh, VAR sending um, sending Cooper off. Um, I what what did you think of the sending off? Because I thought it was definitely warranted, and I was annoyed slightly that I I was seeing on social media that. Um, Lots of people saying, oh, doing that horrible thing where they're like, the game's gone soft and like, all that rubbish. Um, and I don't like that, especially with this challenge. I, I thought it was a really poor one. And I thought VAR got it, got it right. But um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah, uh, whatever stream I was watching, I'm assuming it was Sky Sports. Um, whoever the commentators were, they, like when the challenge went in, and they were doing the VAR check, and they were watching it over and over and over again. And at the beginning, they've seen like four replays by this time, and they're yeah. going, "Oh, that's soft! Like it, he should." I can't believe they're considering this like violent conduct. That's part of the game. Da 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 da. And then once they get to like the ninth replay, they start to go, "Yeah, you know what? Maybe he's a little bit high, <laughs> and he studs yeah. up, and he." clatters into jesus and he's a terrible and he he does touch the ball but he Mm -hmm. doesn't play the ball jesus knocks the ball into cooper which i don't think should be considered like quote gets the ball yeah um 100 percent correct decision awful from liam cooper so many people on social media i think jamie carragher also did his whole games gone soft thing blah blah Um, yeah it was one of those old posturing um old pundits uh on this on the stream i was watching which was i think like nbc uh marcel i think the way i interpret uh marcelo bielsa's reaction is that he immediately knows that cooper's going to send be sent off and i'm pretty sure he's screaming in rage at him um and like wringing his hands uh it was pretty funny um but it did not matter did it because um despite the fact that uh torres the young spanish uh winger equalized after to be fair i mean i was watching it and thinking this is utterly unsustainable for city for leeds because um it was it was very much like i you know it was unlike any lead side i've seen uh, under bielsa i've seen before because it really was like city pinning uh, their opposition back and i feel like bielsa is such a chaotic like madman that I was sort of expecting it to just stay open, despite the fact they had ten men. Um, it was it was something more that you would see with like West Ham down to ten men or something like just with with eleven men behind the ball. 
Um, yeah, Newcastle going yeah. away to a winless Sheffield United. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that, I guess. Or I mean, very reminiscent, frankly, of um, West Ham against Man U this season. Um, but um, yeah, a chance. That, um, so then uh, Leeds sensationally uh, grab the the winner right at the end, um, where Dallas uh, is uh, again played through. Uh, and shrugs off Chancello, who I thought could have done better. Full. I'm not sure. Like, yeah, I mean, it, the no, ball he was on click was he was good. so poor the entire match. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I know which is strange. To, uh, them died. He's been like one of their best players this season. So that's why it's so weird. He had definitely had an off day. Um, I'm, I wonder if we'll see him drop for the next match. Um, I thought Nathan Ake, he played, right? He was poor too. Um, but um, yeah, then it was a, look, it was a sensational uh, victory. Um, everyone um, on the Leeds team and on the Leeds bench was ecstatic about it. It was really fun to see. Um, you know, it's it's a great, it's great. And uh, once again, Leeds have given us like just a fun narrative, uh, just, just a, a great moment, I think. And I think, but I, to be honest, the way I'd write this off a of city is it was just a bad day at the office. Um, this this has no broader reflections on the table, um, and yeah, just move on for Man City. I think. Yeah, I agree. I no no implications on the table. Um, Leeds look like they're pinned on for tenth, and yeah, City look like they're pinned on for the title. So. I think I yeah, don't know just what it does. To finish off, I mean, you know, two two losses for City in, in their last five is yeah, a little bit rare, I guess, because obviously they, they lost to Manchester Derby as well. Um, but I don't know. I think, yeah, they have it wrapped up. And it is just interesting when they lose, right? Because you start thinking about the Champions League and Pep Guardiola classically overthinks and they have a slender lead. And Dortmund come to them, and you could easily see them losing. Honestly, um, they they don't have an aura of invincibility this season, in my opinion. Um, they're just like clearly the best side in the league. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Do you want to do you want to move on to what's next? Liverpool Villa. Um, quickly. Um, yeah. I I also watched this match. Um. Although I'm not sure why I watch this match. Like normally I watch like, you know, the big matches and then the matches that have some sort of implication for Newcastle. Um, but I did watch this match. Did not really enjoy it very much. Um, it was an incredibly equal uh, first half uh, before Ollie Watkins eventually gave Aston Villa a 1-0 lead. Uh, and... <laughs> people were saying the most ridiculous things at this point. Um, like I hate Liverpool and I'm not dumb enough to write them off going into halftime one nil down. Um, but people were, uh, you know, like blowing up on social media. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Um, then right before halftime, uh, which uh, I thought it was very fitting uh, because you criticized him on the last podcast. Uh, Bobby Firmino scores. Uh, 
And then this one got overturned by VAR uh, in another decision that might... I see why it's offsides, but next season when they hopefully fix VAR, I'm sure this is not one of the... Like, this wouldn't have been overturned next season. Um, but I get why it is overturned. Um, right, he was yeah. offsides. Sure. Um, then, in the second half, uh, Mo Salah would equalize on the hour mark um, with something that's become sort of a mainstay in the play of one Emmy Martinez. Um he does this super frequently where a shot from an angle, he'll just palm it right into the middle of the box. Um, and they've conceded a few goals this way. Um, mm. And they did in this match. Um, and it would go on to bite them in the ass because yeah. after um, Trezeguet was incredibly unfortunate, uh, hit the inside of the post and then missed the rebound. And, uh, the knee injury. That was sad. Oh, and, and the knee injury. Yeah. Um, eventually, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold would blast in the game winner in stoppage time, ending his own atrocious form, ending Liverpool's atrocious form at home, mm-hmm. um, and winning this match for Liverpool. That's pretty yeah. much it. No, impl- no implications, really. Liverpool stay sixth. Um, yeah. Villa stay well, mid table. Yeah. No, no. I think narrative wise, this might be a bit, I think it implies a little bit that Liverpool are trying to shake off some of the cobwebs and mount a really strong end to the season. I definitely could see, I, I, they haven't been good, Liverpool, but their run in is pretty simple. And um, I think probably they look like they're exiting the Champions League. And then, you know, these players will be desperate to get into the top four. I can very much, see, I was thinking about it today. I can very much see after that display that Leicester put on and 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 the injuries they have. And also, I mean, we'll get into it later, West Ham just sort of being thin on the ground personnel-wise and trying desperately to give up 3-0 leads. I can I can definitely see sixth place, and fi- sixth place Liverpool and fifth place Chelsea pipping West Ham and Leicester for those top four spots by the end of the season. Um, I feel like I put a bet on that. But yeah, uh, you know, not not too much uh, shifting on the table right now. Um, just sort of keeps Liverpool in the title race and keeps Villa respectably in mid-table. Yeah, that's pretty much all we have to say. Um, then also... Uh, we actually went talked quite a bit about that one, um, but let's quickly talk. Uh, Chelsea romped Crystal Palace. Um, yeah. Kai Havertz scored a brace? Question mark. He uh, no Christian Pulisic. Yeah. yeah, Pulisic got the Pulisic. brace. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Christian Benteke and Kurt yeah. Zuma both scored again, uh, continuing their great form. Uh, that's pretty much it, though. Yeah, this was a pretty not a pretty normal. Yeah. About. Um. Um. Other than Palace are terrible. Um. Yeah. Like yeah. really bad. Yeah, Palace are dreadful. I think. Uh. 
Hodgson said the other day that he, like all the players out of contract, are just waiting until the summer to figure it out. I think it's probably time for him to move on. He's been great. Like, it's been really great, um, Hodgson at Palace. I think he's stabilized the club. I mean, they're not, they're by no means brilliant at all. And I think that maybe in another season, they would be closer to the relegation zone possibly just you know the the bottom three or four clubs this season have been so dreadful um yeah i think palace i don't know i mean they're just sort of like not to be rude but they're kind of making up the numbers still and i'm not really sure what the future of that club is i think if they keep they keep trying to um make their team younger like they did summer 2020 then Maybe they'll be revitalized, but for now it's sort of just they're plodding along. But let's not let me get into rambling about Crystal Palace because nobody cares. Um, oh, you know what's up next? Newcastle Burnley. Please take it away because I'm excited. Excited. Yeah, this was uh, the, I don't know, maybe fourth or fifth or like ninth game in a row that's a must win for Newcastle uh the before this match it was two wins in 21 matches uh which is so bad oh my yeah. goodness that's such a bad run of form um like it hurts me like I knew we we're that bad and looking back I'm like oh my goodness how were we that bad um and then in the first half, Newcastle continued what they've been doing. Um, Newcastle were so bad. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, um, they would, they would eventually, after some really bad defending, uh, Mati Vidra scores um, 20 minutes in. Uh, sucks. Sucked so yeah. much. I was... The defending for that I was, like, okay. was un- unbelievably bad, by the way. Well, okay, so yeah, we uh, Fetty Fernandez is back after four months out, I believe, um, and then Kieran Clark and Paul Dummett are not awesome uh, defenders. They're like our fifth and sixth best defenders. Um, so, kind of a shaky backline in our back five. Um, and then late in the first half, uh, Sean Longstaff, who had an excellent match, uh, gets like clean kicked in the face by Tarkovsky um, in the box. VAR, I think, reviewed this, but it was so quick that the TV broadcast didn't even show that they were reviewing it. Um, no idea how that wasn't a penalty. Uh, the pretty much every. A uh, player who's given an interview so far after this match has uh, criticized the refs, so I'm sure some fines are going to come in. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, just a travesty. I don't know how they literally called it uh, later in the match. They would then give Newcastle a foul um, for the exact same incident, also by Tarkovsky, also on Sean Longstaff. Um, so to wrap up the first half. Uh, really poor from both sides. Um, just Burnley managed to get a route one ball. Um, Chris Wood knocking it back and Matty Vidra scoring a really easy goal. Um, then the first uh, 15 minutes of the second half, 
just as terrible as the first half. And then this match got turned on its head uh, with the simple addition of one Alan Saint Maximan. Uh, within 90 seconds of coming onto the pitch, uh, he uh, pretty much petrifies four Burnley defenders, uh, puts it on a plate for Murphy, and Murphy very nicely scores. Um, although Jacob Murphy had a very bad match. Um, he managed to score a goal that was nicely set up for him. Um, but other than that, he played. No, 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 no. Right. No, well, no. You know, uh, no, I agree. It's no, a really no. nice goal. Yeah, Alan Sandmaxman, he drove in, but come on. Like, he just literally, like, passed it. That that was Murphy's goal. He, he might have been shit, but that was his goal. That was a great goal. He curls it in. That's nice. I'm glad we have Murphy. It'll be nice when we play in the championship. Um, I'm sure he'll be a good right wing back. Um, but this match, his match was sort of defined by yeah, yeah. Uh, him trying to dribble up the wing and losing possession. Um, and then uh, five minutes later, uh, Alan St. Maximin gets it in his own half, out dribbles. Well, actually, he doesn't even out dribble Burnley. He literally drives in a straight line, Burnley back up and up and up until they're in their 18-yard bucks. He cuts it onto his left and drills it into the corner, yeah. giving Newcastle the 2-1 lead. Um, very rarely does Newcastle ever come back um, from a deficit. So, um, And then uh, Newcastle set up shop, uh, which you know kind of defines the Bruce era. Um, nine men behind the ball. Um, we should have scored a third um, in the 90th minute, but Tarkovsky cleared it off the line. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, huge, huge, huge three points for Newcastle. Yeah, uh, six points clear of Fulham with a game in hand. Yeah. Um, and Fulham lost. So compounding misery for Fulham. A staticism for Newcastle. Mm-hmm. We're on the same points as Brighton, although they have a game in hand. So I'm in a good mood. As you should be. As you should be. Um, yeah, wow. I think I don't have much more to add, or well, I don't have anything to add, really. Um, I'm glad that Newcastle won. It does look like you're pulling away, and that's fantastic. Oh, oh, I did want to say one thing. I did uh, log on. I did click on BBC uh, Sport, the football page, and um, someone's already run an article saying, so does Steve Bruce, Bruce deserve a fresh start? And I thought you would find that infuriating. So there you go. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think if we stay up, he'll be here he'll next season. Oh, wow. Really? Um, My goodness. Yeah. He's got like three more years on his contract. Oof. Oh, yeah. He's too expensive. So. Well, there you go. I guess he'll just be getting his uh, fresh start anyway. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, I will, in a, a news sort of uh, part of the pod, I will mm-hmm. add recently uh, Newcastle's Supporter Trust um, has announced plans to buy between one and 3% of the club uh, when Mike Ashley sells it. Um, so they will go to the new owners um, and basically say, here's either three or 12 million uh, pounds. Please let us buy one to 3%. Um, and the idea is that if we're, if our new owners are shit, like we've seen happen to so many English clubs, um, the, Blackburns, the Blackpools, the Wiggins, the Sunderlands. 
uh, that the fans will own a certain percent and still have mm-hmm. some say in the way it's run um, when we go down because that's inevitable. And if we can't get back up and if it all goes to shit um, and worst case scenario, if they don't raise enough money, um, it's all getting donated to a bunch of different charities. So um, really no negative. Um, hopefully Mike Ashley sells. Hopefully our supporters trust raises enough money. Um, they've raised a ton of money already. It's just been like three days. So that's exciting. Um, and talking about exciting, let's talk about West Ham, Leicester city. Oh, I guess you could say it was exciting. It was more nail biting for me. Um, okay. Let's, I'm not going to be very articulate about this most likely, um, as I, I'm not with, with most things that I talk about. However, uh, let me let me just like take a step back for a second and reiterate how uh, ecstatic I am genuinely about this season. It is incredible. Um, and I think that I'm getting spoiled already. Um, so I'll just preface like this little summary with that. Um, but here we go. All right. Um, I'll start off by saying um, Jesse Lingard genuinely don't know what's going on. Um, he's ridiculous ridiculous i i'm like he i he now has eight goals in nine appearances um and a few assists um i genuinely i mean this form cannot continue and every single match i think okay he's gonna have a quiet game and he just keeps going so uh whatever he's eating for breakfast um keep eating that jesse because clearly it's working and yeah he look i hope you saw these highlights because no no one that I'm reading or listening to so far is talking about quite how good Jesse Lingard's first goal was um, in the 29th minute. He latches onto the end of a like chipped pass from, I can't remember who it might've been Jared Bowen and volleys. Uh, Sufal. Thank you. So far he volleys in um, from the, well, the edge of the area. But when the camera pans uh, in the replays from to behind the player, you see that he's somehow managed to volley the ball and it curls in the air from like right, like it curls to the right and inwards to sneak past the, the right post. Like it's a, uh, like a dead ball set piece and he's just like curled it in. I have literally have no idea how he's bent the ball like that midair. Ridiculous. Um, and then, so yeah, well, Cuba, yeah. yeah, so go. Uh, like testimony to how beautiful the goal was. Casper mm-hmm. uh, Schmeichel is maybe five, four feet to the right of it. Yeah, literally standing there watching it because he's confident it's going wide. No, I think um, it's because he can't see the, it. He, uh, I think it's because his defense is blocking Jesse's Jesse. Maybe a little bit of both. Um, okay. The angle from behind the goal. Yeah. That ball is like three meters wide as it approaches insane. the six yard box. It, it and makes then no sense. Crazy yeah. whip. It literally makes no sense. I mean, the technique that you that is required to do that is honestly something else. It's, there's not, I mean, I, I don't want to be that guy, but there's genuinely not many players in the world who are playing better than Jesse Lingard right now. That's seriously how good he's been. Uh, he added a second in the 44th minute. Um, 
Diop, who has been extremely poor on the ball the whole game, actually uh, smashed a ball upfield very accurately up to Jared Bowen, who beat the offside trap and scampered um, through. It was reminiscent of just like 10 minutes earlier when he tried to do the same thing for uh, for Nows, but for Nows is the slowest player in the world and he couldn't keep up. Um, and then Bowen didn't do the right pass, but whatever. In this case, um, beat the offside trap and it was a two-on-one. Jesse Lingard was right up there with him and Bowen squared it and Jesse just um, hopped it into the back of the net. We went in uh, at halftime. My mic, I'm sorry. Uh, 2-0 up and... God, that must have been loud. Um, and everything, once again, was very hunky-dory in my household. Um, we were very happy that we had actually gone in uh, 2-0. Um, the previous two games we played, we've gone in, uh, we we had been 3-0 up and then gone in like 3-1 or 3-0 and then just capitulated in the second half. This felt different. It did feel different going in um, to to half time. And then when we came back out again, um, Jared Bowen promptly scored in the 48th minute and we were 3-0 up again. And then um, then it started um, the, the old cycle again. This is three games in a row now. Okay, Craig is being very odd. He's leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back. So hopefully he stays. And I'm sorry if this is a break in the mid-run, but okay, I'm going to go for it. He hasn't left. All right. I'm going to go back and describe Kelechi and Nacho's first goal to bring it back to 3-1 on the 70th minute. Um, it was, to be fair, a great goal that he scored, but Arthur Masuaku inexplicably just passed the ball to a Leicester player. Um, massive lapse in concentration, I guess. Far too casual. And um, yeah, three three one, and um, every West Ham fan in the world knows that that is going to spell trouble for West Ham because it's um, three games in a row now that we've done this, and uh, inevitably the the remainder of the match was all Leicester. Um, we barely had any possession. Uh, we were being pegged back. We looked um, confused, dazed, nervous, to be honest, um, and. Uh, you know, our best players couldn't get on the ball, like Jesse Lingard couldn't do anything about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was nail-biting stuff. Um, in the 91st minute, Kelechi Inacho got back another goal. By that point, I had stopped, well, I'd stopped watching um, a couple minutes before because I really couldn't take it. And we managed to get over the line, which is fantastic because it's three points and we're up in fourth place. However, you know, it's, it's not the kind of um, form, I guess you could say, that that spells a fourth spot in the Premier League, which is a shame. And I think, I, I don't want to sound too doom and gloom, but I'm going to pivot to talking about our injuries because they're really piling up now. We have Rice out for the foreseeable at least a month, at the very least. We have Antonio out for a month. Aaron Cresswell went down with what looks like a hamstring injury in this match which is very bad. Um, so that is now, that's, that's three of our best players. Three of our like five best players this season are out um, for, the, for the next few games, including the Chelsea game. And, you know, I've seen the reaction that says like West Ham, they go down with injuries, but they don't care. They just keep going. Very true. And we'll keep doing that, but we can't sustain that, like these injuries and, and, and sort of keep, performing like we performed today after going up 3-0 and just like I, I don't even know how to describe it it was just it was genuinely dreadful and it's I guess you know 
it's the West Ham way. It's exciting. Um, but I think, I guess we'll just have to see what happens in the next few weeks. Uh, I'm just taking it game by game. The dream of Champions League is genuinely alive at this point, you would have to say, I think. Um, a, a month ago, you know, you you could ask me that and I, I would say like, nah, um, it's that's sort of like a pipe dream. At this point, it's real. And so that's that's the annoying thing about these injuries um, because you sort of think if we were at full strength, then we might even be favorites uh, to to clinch that fourth space. Um, yeah, look, next week we play you guys in Newcastle. I have a really bad feeling that we're going to drop points to you, um, but I guess we'll see. And yeah, that kind of wraps up my incoherent rant about West Ham. What do you have to say about this match slash these teams um well i am trying to find the first half versus second half uh possession statistics mm. uh which apparently is not recorded anywhere online um oh. very annoying uh because i was going to come in here and say some cool statistics and you know yeah. sound like a real podcaster who's yeah. got some stats wow. to back up his points um mm. but uh third match in a row with a three nil lead um that it was at risk of being blown the question has to be asked about david moyes it's something he's doing um or it's shit dumb luck so <laughs> yeah it, i don't know um i mean before this season, I detested David Moyes, uh, but this season he's certainly shutting people like me up. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. me too. I don't know. Even though, like, so it's been three straight just dire second half performances by yeah. West Ham, and that has resulted in seven points from nine possible. So is this a situation where West Ham are so good that even when they play horribly, they can still pick up the points and pick up the wins and um, like it's a sign yeah. of a great team? Or are they some team that's like massively overperforming uh, and they're getting yeah. teams are figuring out how shaky defensively they are? Um, yeah. Or is it somewhere in the middle? Um, I don't know, because we're a podcast. We're going to take an extreme stance one way or another. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so for me, West Hammer, European dreaming. Um, they're good enough, I think, that they can eke out these. They can be awful for 40 minutes, um, right. but they can eke it out enough. So, Yeah, I I think so. And I think... This 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 loss reflects pretty badly on Leicester. I I know that they came back with a roar, but I think that's more a reflection of, of West Ham. And and prior to those dreadful forty minutes, or you know thirty five minutes, forty minutes, um, it, once again I, I've I've been pretty clear that Leicester City in the first half of the season was probably the easiest victory we've had, then plus the Wolves match, and it was looking like that again. Um, which is is really odd. And look, I know so Leicester had to drop Perez, Madison, and one other player, and Hamza Chowdhury because they attended a house party because they're idiots. Um, and Rogers was like, "I'm not having that," so you, you're dropped. 
so they didn't feature. Kalas Soyuncu, I think, is has a knock or something, so he was out as well. And uh, Jesse Lingard tore Daniel Amati apart, who was playing. Um, look, I know they have some injuries, and Vardy isn't necessarily firing, but I I don't know. I think there was a period of time where my midseason prediction in that we made that I made in the pod that they would do the same thing that they did last season and slip out of the top four was looking really stupid. But I'm a bit worried about Leicester now because, I mean, we are, with that victory against them, we're one point, we're literally one point behind them. That's nothing. And, you know, just a couple of bad results and they're, they're, they're out. They're, done, they're like just right out of it. Um, so yeah, nervy times for Leicester, to be honest, because the pressure's on for them. Uh, and, and for West Ham, the pressure is not on because we are massively overperforming. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree. Um, it's going to be, it's a season where, you know, top places already, it's been secured. Um, the bottom two places have been secured. Um, the end of the season will be defined by who is the final team that goes down and who is the team who honestly, who will finish in third and who will finish in fourth. Um, and then all the other spots, who's going to finish in sixth and seventh um, and make Europe? Uh, because, my goodness, this is going to be a close race. Uh, honestly, a team like Villa are not even out of it yet. Um, they could still make Europe. If they win their game in hand, they will go up to eighth spot, which is, you know, one outside of Europe depending on who wins the FA Cup, is a European spot. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Or is that seventh? seventh? I always get confused about European, like the FA Cup tying into who gets Europe and who doesn't. Um, Possibly seventh? I don't know. Yeah, it's a dumb rule. Uh, anyways, let's move on. Um, enough, yeah, pity party for Oscar, despite his team in fourth place. Um, let's move on to, you know, some more pitiful performances. Uh, (laughs) Tottenham, Man U, uh, the blockbuster matchup this weekend. Um, I watched this all. Um, I also hate both teams. So, you know, kind of a, I'm actively rooting for, uh, you know, the meteorite, uh, in this one. Uh, the the headliner will be the Cavani's first goal uh, being overturned by VAR. Um, I understand why VAR turned it over. Um, God, really? Uh, yeah. Well, like, uh, it's like a shit decision. Next season, it will not be overturned. This season, mm-hmm. something like that's going to get overturned. Um, like, apparently, the refs are going to run with this is the rule. Um, Rio Ferdinand, you know, he's like, the, the, this match is done. I, I'm turning it off. I'm like, Rio, like, calm down. Like, there's shit calls every single match this season. But anyways, right afterwards, human uh, son would go up the other side and score um, a quite nice, like, kind of your classic Tottenham goal at this point. Um, 
they've just got this insane attack. Um, and it was one of those things, man, you think they're going to be one nil up, uh, VAR comes in and then immediately Tottenham scores. Uh, and you're like, okay, well, it's not going to be Man U's day. Never mind. Second half, Tottenham turns to shit. Uh, Fred would uh, equalize. Um, you know, Fred's another one of these players who we've talked about, you know, being like a massive bust since he joined Man United, but relatively recently, he's playing pretty decently. Um, uh, then Edison Cavani, uh, is vindicated. Uh, he would score a diving header, um, from a Pogba cross, uh, who Pogba, I thought played very well outside of a very bizarre decision. Uh, I think while they were still one nil down to attempt this, like flare flick back heel, um, that, you know, a very typical Pogba thing to attempt. Um, and then Mason Greenwood uh, would uh, finalize the outcome of this match in a 3-1 Manchester United win, after which Jose Mourinho looked livid. Um, yep. There's some amazing clips of him like trying to say hi to players, but like he's obviously furious, and like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is next to him like going bonkers, celebrating. Um, and it's like this great Renaissance portrait of juxtaposition um, um and like folly of man and everything so yeah can i just say though oligon Solskjaer's comment how did you see what he said about son afterwards no so he said um so you know how it's on the it's on the so he decided afterwards to call out son for going down and he said uh that the referee was conned by son and he came out and he was like um if my son, if my son stays down like this for three minutes and he gets ten of his mates around him um, to help him up, uh, then he won't get any food. Um, which is a, a very odd comment, but so I mean, he's sort of essentially just trying to say like, ah, oh, it's, it's so ridiculous. And if my like young son did that, then he would like have to skip his dinner. What I hate about this is that Oligana Solskjaer sometimes does this, where he like sort of tries to be like a macho man or something. And it's just, it's very cringeworthy. Like, it's just like... Well, yeah, when you're built like Bilbo Baggins, uh, <laughs> being this, like, macho man doesn't I know, have though, much yeah. pull. It's just, it's, just, it's just so out... It's just so old school, like, so outdated. It's just silly. And it's also really just a... Just a it's just not... It's an ugly color on him, I think. It's just a, not a good look on him. He's trying to be some somebody he's clearly not. Um, and Jose Mourinho hit back and said, like... Uh, you're a bit basically like you must be a shit dad then if you're like not feeding your son, which was kind of funny. Um, but um, yeah, I thought that was odd. Uh, he doesn't need to be doing that. Um, but great win for United. Uh, and yeah, Tottenham. You know, I I, I wasn't really. I mean, United are just they're better than Tottenham, so I wasn't really expecting anything from this to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. About the the sun um, going down, disallowing Cavani's goal. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, th- them's the rules. You hit a player in the face, that's a foul. Um, fouls, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. It was just so clearly um, unintentional. That's the only thing. But yeah, I yeah, I know, I know. Um, 
Okay, let's let's wrap. What time is it? Seven forty-five. Yeah. Okay. Um, Real quickly. Yeah. Um, Arsenal spanked Sheffield United. Um, in the only thing I'll say about this match is, uh, Sheffield United are bottom of the table, and someone said that this was a terrible performance, even for a team that is like one of the worst Premier League teams of all time. Uh, so. Yeah. I did not watch this match. I was playing tennis, so. Um, I watched the first half, and I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with that. It, it just looked like a team at the bottom of the Premier League who weren't very good versus a mid-table side who were better than them. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't. I didn't watch the second half, to be fair, but I, and I, I just watched the highlight. I wouldn't put any particular. I mean, you, Sheffield United have just been this poor the whole time. I was actually thinking that uh, throughout, I was sort of thinking, you know, like Sheffield United might be okay in the championship next next season if they just stick together because they have some good players. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, sort of a nothing match. Doesn't do much for the table either. Yep. Okay. Uh, that will be our recap of this past match day. Mm-hmm. Um, let's blast through some predictions. And I certainly need... I think I'll settle for like a plus two or a plus three. Um, mm. But... Let's kick it off. Oscar Saywell, Everton Spurs. I'll go 2-1 victory to Spurs. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, of course, I immediately clicked out and I lost my tab. What on earth am I doing? Okay. Where the hell is Everton Spurs? Oh, you can do it. No you can do it without, uh, without the help of your friend. I believe in you. Damn it. 538, my, or sorry, my friend Phi uh, is letting me down. Okay, it's the second straight prediction in a row where we don't get to watch Everton play mm-hmm. before. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Um, uh, you're going a Spurs win. I got to back the draw. 1-1. One, one. I never predict draws. Um, yeah, you don't. You don't. Okay, the Saturday, 7.30 a.m., which you and I will watch together, socially distanced, yeah. in a parking lot outside Oscar's apartment. Yeah. Oscar well, hopefully say in well. A, <laughs> hopefully in a slightly more comfortable spot than that, but I am going to go for a one or draw. Uh, I don't even know if I said the words Newcastle or West Ham there. Uh, we, we got so excited. They know. They know. Um, I... I have to back my boys. Yeah, do it. I, I have a feeling two, you're going to win this somehow. A 2-1 Newcastle win. Yeah. Um, I, I forgot to say my stats from earlier, but um, Newcastle last season only won one match in which Alan St. Maximin did not play. This season, yeah. we've only won two. So in his two years at Newcastle, we've only won three matches that he has not played in, including Cups. Uh, Then uh, Callum Wilson joined in the summer. Newcastle United have not won a match this season that did not feature Callum Wilson. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so very talismanic. Um, both Callum Wilson and Alan St. Maximin are fully back to fitness. Uh, so that is why I'm predicting the 2-1 yeah. win for Newcastle. Yeah. Oscar. So, yeah, and, and we have 
sorry sorry we just just quickly on it we have um we have as i was saying like a bunch of personnel out and you know moise might overthink it i yeah i i think we will definitely i just have this gut feeling that we're gonna drop points to you and maybe lose and usually when i have gut feelings they turn out to be correct so there we go okay wolves sheffield united um i'll go oh sheffield united are dreadful two nil wolves I'll go two one wolves and just hope to eke you out um on the exact score. Um Arsenal Fulham. I think unfortunately for Fulham, I think it's it's ending this resurgent spell. So I'll go three one Arsenal. Yeah, um I'll go two nil. Um uh Arsenal. As bad as Fulham have been, Arsenal are also not great, so uh, but they're still better than Fulham. Uh, Man U Burnley. Um, the only. Oh God. Uh, Man U are. Mm, I think so. Do they play in midweek, right, Man U? Yeah. Um, yes. I think this will be hard for them. You know. I might. Oh, they've sort of been grinding out wins. That's the only thing. I kind of want to go for a. I'll go for a narrow United win, 2-1. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. I have a feeling that it, it should be a pretty tough match for them. Um, I'll, I'll just go 2-0, Man U. Um, I, Burnley, we're pretty bad today. So, uh, Leeds-Liverpool. Leeds-Liverpool hopefully will be a fantastic match. I'll go a 2-2 draw. I'm gonna, yeah. Um, I'll go three-one th- Liverpool. That's the most um, sensible prediction for sure, for sure. Okay, and then final one. Uh, this is things are gonna start getting weird in terms of yeah. match days. We've yeah, got like all isn't. kinds of stuff going on. So this yeah. is the Wednesday. It's technically a part of next match day though, oh, but wow. it kind of makes sense to include in this one based on the date it's being played. Okay. Uh, Chelsea Brighton. I will go 2-0 Chelsea. Yeah, Brighton are bad. Um, Brighton they're are like Newcastle bad. I'll go 3-0 and hope to eke you out on the uh, the, goal, the goal. Exact score again. Nice, um, nice. Once again, I <laughs> rarely predict draws. So only got one this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I like draws a bit more. Um, but we'll see. Predictions are hard. What can we say? Okay, talking about difficult, uh, let's, uh, let me ask you some, some questions. Um, Please, I, go ahead. Recently, I've started getting like a way... I, there's been like a shift in my types of questions I've been asking you. Um, uh-huh. By the way, I just looked outside... Oh my goodness! It is gonna storm. Oh really? Uh, Damn it! I was gonna go. Yeah. Eventually. It looks bad. Hopefully, it's better up where you are. Um, but I will start with my ex Wonder Kid. Um, although you know he's not he's not super old. He's starting his peak right now. Um, this guy spent. 15 years at Feyenoord making 
like an ungodly amount of appearances before joining Monaco, where all good Wonder Kids go and most to die. Uh, He then went to Huddersfield Town on loan before joining them permanently. Um, And then when they were relegated, uh, he joined a certain team. Can you tell me where Terence Congolo is? Ah, yeah. He's at Fulham. Yeah. I wanted to highlight him because I believe it was his first start for Fulham versus Wolves. And I thought he had a very good match playing as a left center back in a back three. I thought he was pretty decent. He hasn't he made like one. It wasn't that his first appearance. Yes, that actually that was his first appearance. Why? I think he's just down the pecking order. Dude, that's crazy though. That's not like straight up. That's nothing. That's that's astonishing. And he signed up like a four year contract with them. I can see if I know. Uh, like a month ago, he was like partying uh, for his birthday. So that's great. That's sad. Hmm. Um, he has played like every single level for the Dutch national team. He even has four senior caps. That's amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, so maybe maybe he'll play for them next season in the championship. For Fulham? Yeah. Or for the Dutch national team? <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, oh, he, he's, uh, he was struggling with injury. That's, that might be yeah, a bit why. Yeah. He's a whatever player. Um, he kind of remember, reminds me of Yanga and Biwa. Um, oh, yeah. Just in, he was like this, like, you know, he's like 6'3", like big dude, playing out on the wing, absolutely rapid, um, and 100% never panned out. Uh, so, mm. uh, yeah. He, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, he's not a complete failure. I mean, he's playing well Premier League I, football. I, well, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we'll see how he kicks on. Yeah, I guess just some, some injuries have kept him out. Um, but uh, cool. All right then. Yeah. Uh, nice. that question is a good introduction for the theme of my five questions this week because right. they are all Fulham related. Okay. Uh, this is uh, a wonder kid we've talked about already on this podcast, but I wanted Ooh. to talk about him before and see and test your knowledge. Um, okay. That player is Michael Hector, a player who I really like. Um, He was terrible in the Prem, though, in the first few matches of the season. Just a a quick stat. Tell me, how many times has he been loaned out in his career? Isn't it something like genuinely ungodly? I think it is. Um. I'm going to go 15. Dude, you have to be looking at my notes or something. How on earth do you get I got it. 15? Yeah, 15 times. I just knew it was a huge amount. I mean, yeah, that's that's just fluke. I'm not I swear to, I swear to you I'm not looking at your notes. Um I <laughs> no, clicked on good. it today. I mean, full disclosure, I clicked on them today because I thought it was our EFL script and but I immediately clicked off. I don't I don't peek. Um I just know he was at Reading and like he he was in non-league for so long, right? 
and then like up in Scotland and like and then and then he got that move to Chelsea somehow after breaking through to the Reading team. He's like he's been playing since technically since he was like just like genuine just like a kid. But because because he 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 moved to Chelsea in like 2014 or something when he was 22 23 and then obviously that didn't work out. Yeah, I just know that he's had an ungodly amount of of loans and I went for a nice rounded number. Strange player to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's good. I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty like I don't I don't know. I don't know. He has quite the resume. Uh yeah. he has a lot of teams he's had over 20 appearances for. Really? Um Yeah, like a lot of like super historic clubs. Um that he's able to say he has, you know, 20 appearances for. Um, and then pretty impressive, um, sort of fallen by the wayside at Fulham right now. Um, oh, yeah, he's, he he's, was completely dreadful. He was dreadful. He was dreadful. Um, yeah, who knows what on earth he's going to do in his career. He could do anything. Yeah, <laughs> if, really if you told me he's playing like in the fifth tier, uh, I'd be like, yeah, that man. Yeah. Oh well, I guess okay. maybe he'll just embrace it. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Uh yeah, my third question. Uh Scotty Parker is a man who is very dear to both of our hearts. Um he's of course a Newcastle and a West Ham legend. Yes, he is. Um, but he has one very interesting record that he is the only player who holds this. Hmm. Uh and it is in regards to his England career. Do you know what record he holds? Who, Scott Parker? Yes, for England. Yeah, I know he holds some weird record, but I'm really not sure that I know what it is. It's for England. Uh, I've, I've, I, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, do you want me to guess? Is it if you got one that you that's on the top of your mind? Uh, rep, represented. Oh, captained every level or something. Captained every like he, England level. That might be true, but I know he's definitely not oh. the only one who's done that. Okay, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I don't know. He, uh has the record for the most clubs in his consecutive first caps for England, meaning his four oh, oh, first caps cool. for England each came under a new club. First kept under Charlton, then Newcastle, then West Ham, oh, wow. then Spurs. That's 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 really cool. I like that. That's great. Yeah, you unearth these? It's, these are awesome. Uh, this one's just like the first line in his Wikipedia page. This oh, is the like easiest that. one I found. <laughs> Um, okay, question four. Uh, it's about another guy who's, I mean, sort of fallen by the wayside, um, at Fulham. Uh, before, uh, but actually, so, uh, disclosure this is about Tom Kearney, but it is not about Tom Kearney at Fulham, oh, it is about when he was with Hull. Okay, um, before he joined Hull City. In 2007, after he was released at Leeds United, he held another job. Do you know what he worked as? Sorry, remind me of the player? Tom Kearney. Do I know what Tom he worked Kearney. as? Tom Kearney. 
Nike, another job. Uh, no, 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 I don't. He was an intern at Barclays Bank. Whoa. In London. Yeah. At 16. Huh. That's all. He described it as the worst two weeks of his life. Oh, two Um, weeks. All right. Yeah, that well, that makes sense. Which, yeah, makes sense. exactly. Um, okay, and then my final question: no correct answer. Um, it's does Sir Scotty Parker keep his job at the end of this season? Oh, he should. I hope he does. Yeah, he 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 deserves it. He's 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 doing a pretty good job. Uh, I think if he wants it, then then he should keep it. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like Fulham are, I mean, like, I don't know too much about the hierarchy and the the upper levels at Fulham, but with the way they spend money, I feel like they're the impulsive type to uh, yeah, also to sack managers. Up. I think, uh, you know, he's really, I, uh, everyone will remember how, how strong I was about how crap Fulham were at the beginning of the season, but Scott Parker's really showed me wrong, I think. I'm not saying that they're a great side or anything. I'm not saying he's like a fantastic manager. Um, but he he's definitely showing tactical versatility. Like I really like the fact that he sort of like Graham Potter, he's very invested in like um emotional intelligence. Um he's progressive, modern football manager, and I think that that's only a good sign. So um yeah. And also, you know, it's Scott Parker, so he's a legend, so yeah, and yeah. with that, that wraps up episode 21 of the Peak yeah, Too Early podcast. Running yeah, for we can 25. legally drink yeah. this podcast can, and drink yeah. alcohol. It's old enough. It's old today. enough. Today. Um, yeah, uh, email the podcast at peakedthenumber2earlypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at peakedthenumber2earlypod. Uh, follow Oscar at O-H-S-C-U-H. Follow myself at B-M-U-N-S-H. Leave us a review. Um, ask us any question. We'll ask. We'll answer anything at this point. Um, we really will. We and really, really will. <laughs> with that being, we will, yeah, we will uh, add a new segment with the one question that one the person one sends exactly. in. Exactly. Um, and with that being said, uh, we will get back to you next Sunday. Oscar and I will see each other this Saturday, which is very exciting. Yeah, it is exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, stay safe, everybody. Yeah. Uh, and I can see the thunder out my window. Oh, no. So with that being said, All take right. care. All right. Take care. Take care, Blake. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Craig, what's your deal? Worst, Craig. You're the worst person in the world. I'm standing.